Hey guys, sorry for the interruption to the normal podcasting. This is Faye. I wanted to let you guys know that we have a very special shout out again today to one of our patrons on Patreon. Yes, Dr. Alina Detkeva, former Brown resident and now MFM fellow extraordinaire at UCLA. Thank you for your patronage. If you want to get a cool shout out like uh, Dr. Dutkeva did on our podcast, you can be a $10 monthly contributor on our Patreon, which you can find at www.patreon.com slash over coffee. Thanks again, everybody. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. So today's topic is going to be gonorrhea and chlamydia. So Nick and I are going to be doing a long string of podcasts on sexually transmitted infections. So we'll be covering syphilis. We're going to be doing gonorrhea and chlamydia today. And we'll be covering HIV, trichomonas, general herpes, PID, all that good stuff. Hope you guys are really excited out there. All right. So today's learning objectives for gonorrhea and chlamydia are number one, we'll describe the symptoms of both of these sexually transmitted infections. Number two, we'll talk about who should be tested and what kind of tests to use. Number three, we'll talk about the treatment of gonorrhea and chlamydia as well as talk about expedited partner therapy. And finally, we'll describe the consequences of untreated gonorrhea and chlamydia and its effects on pregnancy. So first of all, the question is, why are we doing two sexually transmitted infections together? I think it's a good question, Faye, but these two really have a lot in common with each other. The symptoms are often in touch with each other. We usually order the two tests together, or oftentimes it's just like one breath, like I usually say Mm -hmm. GCCT in the clinic. And then finally, like these two actually travel together. If somebody's got one, you'd probably have the other too. So let's talk a little bit more about like what these are and why we care about them. Yeah. So both gonorrhea and chlamydia are sexually transmitted infections that anyone can get if they are sexually active and really through any kind of sex. And of course, there's always vertical transmission that can occur between mother and child. So let's first talk about gonorrhea. Gonorrhea is caused by a bacteria called Neisseria gonorrhea, which is a gram-negative diplococci. There's that throwing back to med school again. Yep. Usually it's symptomless, but in men it can cause burning with urination, penile discharge, or even testicular pain. And in women, 50% are symptomless, but gonorrhea can lead to burning with urination, vaginal discharge, and intramenstrual bleeding or postcoital spotting, and pelvic pain. If untreated, in women, it can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease, infertility, and it can also affect other areas depending on sexual practices like the throat or the anus. So Nick, why do we care? Yeah, so if gonorrhea is left untreated, you can actually get disseminated gonococcal infection. Disseminated gonorrhea often results in skin pustules and petechiae, septic arthritis, meningitis, and endocarditis. This is a really rare complication. Only about half to 3% of infected women and 04 to 0.7% of infected men, but again is something that is very, very significant. And particularly for pregnant women, disseminated gonorrhea can lead to septic abortion, chorea amnionitis, and neonatal blindness. So really, it's a problem we prefer to get out in front of. So we talked about gonorrhea. What about chlamydia, Nick? So yeah, moving on to chlamydia now. It is caused 
as well by a bacteria, Chlamydia trachomatis, which is a gram-negative bacteria that is an intracellular pathogen, so it can only replicate in host cells. Chlamydia has the distinction of being the most common sexually transmitted infection in the United States. Again, it's usually symptomless, but can cause vaginal discharge and burning with urination in women. And in men, they can also have discharge from the penis, burning with urination, pain, and swelling in the testicles. Hey, what happens if it's untreated? Yeah, so if untreated, it can cause pelvic inflammatory disease and infertility in women, uh, which is why it's so important to treat this early on. And it can also cause chlamydia conjunctivitis or trachoma, which can lead to blindness. And finally, it can cause reactive arthritis, which if you recall back to your step one studying, leads to three things, arthritis, conjunctivitis, and urethral inflammation, or my favorite way of remembering this, can't see, can't pee, can't climb a tree. Perfect. <laughs> I kind of move it on from there, Faye. Again, we alluded to earlier, oftentimes these two travel together. So how do we diagnose yeah. these sexually transmitted infections? So usually we do a urine test, but this can also be an endocervical swab, a vaginal swab, rectal swab, or pharyngeal swab. And both of them are nucleic acid amplification tests. And this is considered the gold standard test. So the next question, of course, is who should be tested? So per Centers for Disease Control recommendations, annual gonorrhea and chlamydia screening for all sexually active women younger than 25 years should be offered. Additionally, the CDC recommends older women with risk factors such as having new or multiple sexual partners or known exposure to a sex partner who recently had a sexually transmitted infection should be offered this screening. For men, the CDC recommends once a year screening for gonorrhea chlamydia for all sexually active men who have sex with men, and more frequently, on the order of like every three to six months, for men who have sex with men with multiple or anonymous partners. Hey, how do we go on and treat gonorrhea and chlamydia? So let's talk about treating gonorrhea first, and notably, what Nick and I are going to talk about is treatment for adolescents and adults. We're not going to be touching on treatment for either of these for children. So let's talk about gonorrhea. And this is only for non-disseminated gonorrhea. The unfortunate thing is that gonorrhea is becoming more and more resistant to antibiotics, and we are really down to a single class of antibiotic that really treats it, cephalosporins. So the CDC recommends ceftriaxone, 250 milligrams intramuscular single dose with a one gram azithromycin single dose. But if ceftriaxone is not readily available, then cefixime 400 milligram orally as a single dose and that one gram oral dose of azithromycin. What about chlamydia? So chlamydia fortunately doesn't have the same issues as gonorrhea that we're down to a single drug for, but we do have two primary recommended regimens. One from the CDC is azithromycin one gram orally in a single dose or you can use doxycycline, 100 milligrams twice daily for seven days. There are also a number of other possible regimens that include erythromycin, levofloxacin, or offloxacin. We'll post these on the website, but again, they're less common ways of treating chlamydia. They, so oftentimes we have women come in and you know they are either struggling to talk with their partner about this or they inquire about, you know, how do I get my partner treated for this as well? Um, what, what guidance is out there about, about treating sexual partners? Yeah, so the CDC, again, they recommend 
EPT, or expedited partner treatment, which means treating the sexual partner of the patient diagnosed with chlamydia or gonorrhea without first examining the sexual partner. And they say that EPT is a useful option to facilitate partner management, particularly for treatment of male partners of women with chlamydia and gonorrhea infection. So what we do in our emergency room is once we diagnose the woman with gonorrhea or chlamydia, we actually send them home with a script for their partner for the treatment. Hey guys, this is Faye. Sorry to interrupt the normal programming. I'm here to tell you about an exciting new podcast that was made by our friends and colleagues over at Yale University. If you enjoy our podcast and you have friends who are in ophthalmology, please tell them about the podcast Eyes for Ears. You can also find them on Twitter at eyes, the number four, ears. They are an ophthalmology review podcast just like us for the OCAPs. Nick, one question that I get a lot from patients is they want to know when they can have sex again after their treatment. Yeah, so the CDC recommendations are for seven days after the initial treatment, with the caveat that both the patient and her partner are treated. So again, both persons should be treated and abstain from sexual intercourse for seven days at least to allow for therapy to work and to clear the infection big risk of not waiting that long of a time, of course, is the possibility of reinfection. And we wouldn't be a very good OBGYN podcast if we didn't talk about both of these sexually transmitted infections in pregnancy. Absolutely not. So here we go. (laughs) Faye, what about pregnancy? What changes with our screening? Yeah, so you should be screening everybody. Doesn't matter if they're less than 25. Doesn't matter if they are not at high risk of getting sexually transmitted infections. Everybody should be screened in their first trimester. And of course, if they're positive, they should be treated. The same treatments should be given to women as when they are not pregnant, as these medications are safe during pregnancy and the risks definitely outweigh the benefits of not treating. Again, you should be doing expedited partner treatment And the other thing that we do in pregnancy is a test of cure in three weeks. And if the patient did test positive during the first trimester, they should also be screened again in the third trimester. And Nick, what would happen if we didn't treat these patients? You don't have treatment. Again, the risk that you run is the possibility of vertical transmission to the infant. And this vertical transmission can occur either prior to delivery Um, and result in things like septic abortions, intact chorioamnionitis, things that we talked about again with with in particular disseminated gonorrhea. Um, Mm -hmm. But additionally, an infection in the birth canal during delivery can expose the infant to other risks after delivery. So for chlamydia in particular, there's a risk of conjunctivitis um, that happens about 5 to 14 days after birth. And also a risk of pneumonia, which usually onsets around 4 to 12 weeks of age. Gonorrhea can also lead to conjunctivitis. And from the PEDS kind of questions, the, the conjunctivitis of gonorrhea tends to be more purulent compared to a watery discharge noted with chlamydia. However, you don't want either one of them, whether it's purulent or watery, both of them can lead to blindness. All right, Nick, so that brings us to the end of our talk on gonorrhea and chlamydia. Let's go ahead and sum up. Perfect. So we started off saying these two STDs we talked about together because a lot of times they come together. They have a lot of common symptoms, um, and you can order the tests together very easily. 
So we first identified gonorrhea caused by Neisseria gonorrhea, which is a gram-negative diplococci. We talked about how it's usually symptomless, but when you do have symptoms, these can be things like burning with urination, vaginal or penile discharge, testicular pain, or intramenstrual or postcoital bleeding. And we talked about the importance of treating, as if you don't treat these diseases, women can get PID and infertility, um, and this can also lead to disseminated gonococcus infections. Along the same lines for chlamydia, we talked about how it's also caused by a bacteria, chlamydia trachomatis, that is a gram-negative bacteria that only replicates within host cells. Chlamydia is also symptomless, but can have some symptoms such as discharge, burning with urination, and swelling in testicles in men. If untreated, similarly has consequences such as PID, infertility, conjunctivitis, blindness, and remember that reactive arthritis, can't see, can't pee, can't climb a tree. So diagnosis is usually a urine test, but it, you can also do an endocervical swab, vaginal swab, rectal swab, or pharyngeal swab, and the gold standard test is a nucleic acid amplification. The people who should be tested are sexually active women who are younger than 25 years. They should get annual testing, as well as older women who have risk factors. And for men, yearly testing for all sexually active MSM, and more frequently for MSM who have multiple or anonymous partners. In terms of the treatment, again, we talked about treatment only for adolescents and adults. For the treatment of gonorrhea, the CDC recommends ceftriaxone, 250 milligrams intramuscular in a single dose, with a gram of azithromycin PO. Again, we're not talking about the treatment for disseminated gonorrhea in the podcast today. Treatment for chlamydia includes a single dose of oral azithromycin or doxycycline, 100 milligrams BID for seven days. There are other regimens that will post, but we won't talk about today. Finally, with respect to pregnancy, you should screen all patients in the first trimester and treat those patients with the same medications if they're positive. You should perform a test of cure in three weeks after that. You should perform expedited partner therapy, and you should consider screening in the third trimester again. And if we didn't treat, remember that there can be vertical transmission to the newborn, which can lead to chlamydial conjunctivitis and pneumonia, as well as gonorrheal conjunctivitis. I think that wraps it. Once again, I'm Nick. I'm Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So if you liked our podcast, please consider leaving us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or any of your other podcatchers. Again, you can find us on social media or online anywhere. You can find us online at creogsovercoffee.com or via social media on Twitter at creogsovercoff one or on Facebook at Creogs Over Coffee. You can also sponsor us on our brand new Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Coffee. Or if you have any suggestions for us or want to hear about any topic, you can email us at creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.